Today on The Toppy Show, 44% of millennials think misgendering should be a crime. Vivek has a sit-down chat in Iowa. Chris Christie tweets saying that you must say Trump in order to beat him, but Chris Christie is in fact ratioed in minutes. Porsche to save male transmission. Winnebago revenue is down 35%. T-Mobile is raising prices, but perhaps they aren't after a big backlash. Amazon delivered prescriptions via drones starting in Texas. And American Airlines reports a $545 million loss due to the huge increased labor cost. All that much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice today. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. See, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October, so if you can click that button and tell your friends, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Winnebago revenue down 35%. Is this a sign of an increase, or rather a decrease, of further discretionary spending? Now, this is as they finish their current fiscal year. The revenue was still $771 million. However, that was 35% down. Now, it appears I can't help but think they need to call up Mel Brooks because, let's be honest, in terms of cultural phenomenon, how many people bought a Winnebago just because of Spaceballs? I mean, that piece of machinery had the power of the Schwartz. And also, incidentally enough, Time Technologies is giving away a free flamethrower. If you go to our website, timetechnologies.com, this month is a 37 millimeter flare launcher for safety purposes, of course, for signaling. And then perhaps next month, we'll go back to our previous spiff, which was literally a flamethrower that you can mount to an AR-15. The power of Schwartz be with you or something like that. Nevertheless, Winnebago, they said that they, and this is directly from the horse's mouth or so to say, they say, quote, lower unit sales related to current market conditions and dealer efforts to reduce inventories and higher discounts and allowances. They know that the unit deliveries of motorhomes, RVs, plunged 52% year over year, which is detrimental to say the least. Now, the CEO, Michael Happ, said, quote, the customer or the consumer market continues to be challenged and the fourth quarter results reflect the stubborn retail environment, unquote. Now, that is very well true. I believe that you have unprecedented amounts of uncertainty in the market. So everyone from mom and pop shops to Fortune 100 companies, a lot of them are pausing projects and purchases and a lot of people at home are pausing discretionary purchases as well. However, this particular market, the RV market, they had a huge artificial boom during the pandemic lockdowns. I know people who they were placing orders for an RV and the wait list was over a year to actually get their unit to them. So they're placing down deposits. That industry exponentially spiked. You saw this with similar companies such as Zoom. And I almost wonder, let me know in the comments, do you think this decrease in Winnebago spending and the decrease of their sales is that just getting back to their previous normal amount of sales? Because a lot of people who wouldn't normally buy an RV went out and bought one during the pandemic. And I know a lot of people for quite some time in Phenomenon in America, a lot of people who retire actually get an RV instead of a traditional retirement home. And then they could tour the United States, presumably having bulletproof armor added if they were to go anywhere near Detroit or Chicago. I was about to say that as a pun, but not really. So let me know in the comments, do you think this is indicative of a overall economic decrease or is this specific industry just going back to their pre-sales norm prior to the pandemic? It'll be interesting to see. Let me know what you have to say. Be fascinated here. Other interesting business units, you have T-Mobile raising prices, but perhaps not after a massive pushback. Now, T-Mobile said they, were, they claimed that we were originally going to be switching some of their customers to, quote, older unlimited plans to more expensive ones unless they choose to opt out by calling customer service which is pretty BS if you ask me. It's one of those things where a lot of companies, very similar to refunds and situations in which you're putting the burden of effort on the customer, they know, statistically speaking, most people will not take the effort to complete that action, so it'll be better fiscally for the company. It's ridiculous to say the least. It's, it's prudent for the company, fiscally speaking, but I think a lot of people, is just a gut check didn't feel right when it came to this instance. and. For most of my life, T-Mobile, in terms of market representation and their whole business philosophy, they used to be the antithesis of the big dogs like AT&T and Verizon, who had the hugest market share. I mean, they even have sports ball stadiums named after them. Now, 
T-Mobile is always a little bit smaller, more aggressive. They make really were very proud of the fact that they wouldn't lock you into these long contracts, very similar to Virgin Mobile as well, which would be one of Richard Branson's many companies. Now, having them putting the burden on everything to call customer service, let me know, when's the last time you willingly called customer service and you look forward to it? Most people would rather go to buy a car or go to the dentist. You know you're gonna be put on hold for what, five, 10, 20 minutes, and maybe, maybe you'll reach a human, and then maybe, 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 you'll be able to understand them depending on where you're from and what your dialect is, that could be a real issue. Now, they also continue to say that the second largest in a uh, US wireless company, again, that was partially because they did acquire Sprint. So that's, people wonder how T-Mobile got really big all of a sudden. It was a long growth rate, but they also did buy out Sprint. Now, they also say that the wireless company says the new rates would include a monthly $10 per line increase. And they will offer quote unquote, enhanced features or additional services, unquote. Oh boy. Let's be honest, do you really give a damn? Pardon the French, but when it comes to a lot of things in life where with the right marketing, I think you could perhaps make anything not a commodity or not seem like a commodity, but with telecommunications and your cell phone plans, really the most important thing is, do you have reception? A fun business fact, these companies really don't own the cell towers. A lot of them is actually a separate business and they all buy out basically usage percentages. So they'll bid and they'll actually place bids for how much usage they get per cell tower, which is owned by a third party. And in terms of the smaller guys, one of the reasons they have decreased perception or reception, because they would get the little remaining bandwidth that was left for those towers. And at the end of the day, they're using the same towers. And especially if they're able to bid on all the towers and there's enough bandwidth for all of them. But what additional features do you not have from your cell phone carrier that you would care about if they were saying, oh yeah, we're gonna include this feature. I mean, most people, all you need, I was gonna say, you don't even need, nowadays you barely even need to be able to call someone, it's really just the text messages people love and the apps. So really you just need internet and then text messaging. I mean, what additional features are they gonna come out with to woo new customers or justify that $10 per month bump? When again, everyone is trying to make their dollars stretch further and at a certain price point, you just walk away from the situation. Again, $10 per month might not sound a lot for some people, but for some that's a make or break to their, for their budget. And again, that adds up in the aggregate. I mean, that's over, I was gonna say, I know the public school system in the United States is piss poor to say the least. That's why they have the lowest SAT scores in over 30 years. So we will actually provide more value than some public schools right here and right now. When it comes to $10 a month, well, over the course of the year, you multiply that $10 by 12 months. There are 12 months in a calendar year, and that will give you $120 of savings if you were to walk away from that situation, or if you chose to stick with them, that'd be an increase. Although it's worse than that, because remember, you always have to pay sales taxes if you're part of the private sector, unless you're a nonprofit. And with telecommunication companies, there's additional fees and all that kind of stuff, which also funds a myriad of other government ideas, which may or not be detrimental or terrible or ineffective. Another debate for another time, perhaps. Now, they noted that they're partially, and they didn't say this out loud, but the other competitors, AT&T and Verizon, they're also increasing their prices. Now, because of their customer base and how they built the company at T-Mobile, there's a huge pushback. People are going and raving on social media, which is fascinating because a lot of companies are raising prices. You have Netflix and barely anyone seems to care. They just pay more and more and more and more for less and less content. But in this case, I think because of the way they built the company, that's why you saw more of a backlash than usual. And so many people were just irate because they, again, they built themselves up being the smaller company, having a better ROI with a lower price point. And if you wanted to have the best, the highest prices and perhaps a little bit best, better features, arguably, you would go with one of the larger telecom companies. So it'll be interesting to see this. They say they're going to pause it after this huge mash of push, pushback, but T-Mobile is changing. For the first time ever, they put money aside so they can pay dividends, which again, that puts them in a whole separate stock category. More people are going to invest in that company for that reason alone, and more people are going to hold on to the stock for that reason alone, which... There's a debate on whether it's best for the company to reinvest the, re, the profits right back in the business or to reward the shareholders who are taking the risk to invest in your company. Uh, no debate for another time perhaps, but that is a transformational moment for the company to move in that business direction. And again, it almost seems like they're trying to emulate the bigger companies because again, AT&T Verizon, they both pay dividends already. They have for years. They're very stable in that regard, even though the stock prices for those companies have precipitously decreased quite a bit for the past couple of years, they still pay dividends. So it'll be interesting, let me know, would you walk away from T-Mobile because of this? Or is $10 a month not enough for you to make the change? Be fascinated to hear what you have to say.
Other interesting business use, you have Amazon deliver prescriptions via drones starting in Texas, also known as the best state in the union. I might be a little biased. Although I'm a little disappointed in myself. I should have walked over and got my Texas hat, my cowboy hat for that. Nevertheless, next time we will slowly but surely will improve the, uh, I was about to say that's not really special effects, that's rudimentary effects to say the least. Compelling nevertheless. Now, it looks as if this will first be rolled out to customers in College Station, Texas, and they will not get their prescription dropped off to the door via Amazon's drone delivery system with as little as 60 minutes from placing the order. And the craziest part, no additional cost, which that is pretty astonishing. Now, granted, it'll be interesting. I don't know what the ROI is for these drones. They probably have a pretty substantial upfront cost. However, it's probably also cheaper than paying for a driver, which again, the price of labor in the United States is getting out of control. Businesses can barely make it as it is. And consumers, remember, it's always passed down to the consumer. Well, the drivers are getting more and more expensive. UPS just, geez, they just, they're making six figures driving a truck, which I've never thought was possible. And the rates subsequently went up and customers are not happy, which is why a lot of people are starting to use FedEx. But with Amazon, they got those drivers, and then those expensive Rivian trucks that they make, or vans, whatever you want to call those little silly things. So instead of those two things, you can get the drone. And it's quicker. Now, I guess it makes sense to start with the prescriptions because I can't fathom what prescriptions would be heavy, but I would say an overwhelming majority of the time, prescriptions as a product is a very lightweight thing, which would therefore be a perfect thing in which to transport via drone since very much similar to EV trucks, weight is the detriment to their existence. Which is why the EV pickup truck market is mostly a joke in terms of if you need a pickup truck to actually tow anything, it becomes basically a paperweight, albeit a very beautifully designed paperweight, very, I'm just gonna say they got some great designers over there at Rivian, as well as, well, Ford a little bit. But when it comes to towing, it makes it useless. Very similar to drones as well. The lighter the product, the easier it is to actually ship it. Cause again, the batteries last longer, it's less of a payload on the actual drone. So this makes perfect sense for them to start off with these pharmaceutical pills. And in the United States, people get more and more and more unhealthy. There's just gonna be exponential increase in how, much, how many pills people are shoving down their palate these days. So it's definitely a growing market, similar to the American Wasteland, a lot of growth. Now, they also say that eligible Amazon pharmacy customers can select, quote, free del drone delivery in less than 30 minutes at checkout. And the pharmacist will ensure that medications are loaded and transported to the customer's home within the next hour. So pretty darn lightning quick. And you still have that human interaction if that's something some people are concerned about in terms of security, getting, making sure you're getting the right pills. So, oh, although those people probably don't work in cybersecurity because the human error is real and one of the biggest threats. Negligence is a real thing. And it'll be interesting to see what the adoption rate is. Is this something you would utilize in your household? I mean, that's a pretty compelling reason. One of the biggest detriments to most traditional pharmaceutical companies and pharmaceutical delivery systems is you have to go to the pharmacy, which depending on your living situation, that could take time, energy. It's a, it's a burden for some folks, especially if you have to make that physical trip. And depending on your schedule, it might not even be worth the ROI, debatably. So it will be interesting to see. I can't help but given the weight of the product and how quickly they can move it, I think this will be one of Amazon's biggest upsides in the next... 24 months in terms of the growth and adoption rates. The only thing that's going to slow it down, I believe, would be, of course, the cliche, the government. So it might be the FAA. I know there's certain restrictions on how high you can fly the drones, so what the restrictions are, what local municipalities and local cities may or may not want. So there are a lot of variables and a lot of hoops they may have to jump through. But overall, I think in terms of consumer benefit, it might be pretty good. And in terms of you know crime and theft, I suppose the bad guys, who wouldn't want trap shooting with prescription pills falling down from the sky? <laughs> That's a pun. Well, kind of a joke. I'm sure it might happen in some cases. But, of course, it's a crime, so they would never do that in Chicago or anywhere like that, of course. It'll be interesting to see how they grow from there. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have 44% of millennials support criminal penalties for misgendering someone with a new proposed law being two years in jail just for using what they perceive as the wrong words. Dear God, I, well, I was gonna say, we should have saw this coming actually. Now this first one comes from reason.com and I mean, you could def, it's definitely, I mean, of all the websites, 
certainly makes sense. Maybe that maybe they'll have lots of reasonable thoughts in here. It'll be very it'll be very uh it'll be a reason, maybe. Now, let's see here. This is coming from reason.com, and they said that quote, referring to someone by the wrong gender pronoun, he, him, she, her, should be a criminal offense, unquote, millennials said in the new poll. Now, they said that younger millennials were more likely to support criminal penalties for misgendering with 44% of 25 to 34-year-old responses in favor and just 31% saying misgendering should not be a crime. Which, I suppose there is, if you look at the glass, 31% full, it appears as if 31% of them read the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights, such as freedom of speech. Which, at the end of the day, this will all end up in court and it'll all be played out. I subsequently think that will most likely be the linchpin on which the case comes to. Also, religious freedom, when you have that come into play as well. Now, going more into the article, they say, but support for criminal misgendering is also strong among older millennials and Gen Z, though the younger was less gung-ho about it, which I think they're showing their age. I don't know how many youthful people say gung-ho. That's something I would say. Nevertheless, they say, quote, some 38% of 35 to 44-year-old responses say it should be a crime, while 35% disagreed. They continue to say some 33% of 18 to 24 responses say it should be a crime, while 48% disagree. Now, they noted that among survey respondents overall, 19% said misgendering should be criminalized. Nearly two-thirds, 65% said it should not be criminalized, looking at the larger poll among more age groups. While 12% said neither agreed nor disagreed, which is a, that's a lame cop-out, and 4%, they didn't know. Just even more ridiculous. But by net, I understand there might be some nuanced poll about some very artic, very very specific topics around, I don't know, some molecular structure, something that's not in your purview, you don't understand. But at, with this topic, it's pretty straightforward. I don't know who's wondering at home, golly, I don't know, maybe we should have compelled speech, maybe we shouldn't. Well, what's more important, facts or feelings? I, I don't, I just don't know. It's kind of like those people who by now, they don't know who they're gonna vote for. Like, really? The main candidates we've both seen in office. If you don't know by now, I don't know what to tell you. How, how could you be so lost? Like, really? The use cases are already on the books. They're there. But nevertheless, diving back into the article, in terms of the actual sample size, I believe it was 1,200. Let's see here. Let's see. Oh, come on. Let's see. Well, let's see, pronouns. Okay, so of course, when it comes to all these things, the most important in life, if you ask yourself, when it comes to anything, political top, political polls, well, pretty much any poll in general, perhaps one of the few things I actually learned from college was business statistics and had a really good teacher. He actually told us the most important rule. Again, know your sample size. Also, know how you frame the question because you can basically get whatever results you want depending on how you phrase the very question itself. It's a fast, political polling especially is in a fascinating topic. We'll probably dive deeper in another time. Now, specifically the numbers we're talking about today, that comes from a poll of 1,500 eligible voters in the US taking place in early July by a group by the name of Reedfield and Witten Strategies. And people were asked specifically, quote, whether, quote, referring to someone by the wrong gender pronoun should be a criminal offense. Unquote. Now, interestingly enough, they didn't dive deeper in terms of, depending on, and you'll probably see this on social media, depending on what social media account you're signing up for, there are like 76 different pronouns for, for uh, gender, including Zer, Zed, and things I can't pronounce. Well, as I say, that's, that's a pretty vast, eh, that's an accurate statement. There's a lot of things I can't pronounce. But it's interesting that they're saying these specific ones, because what if someone's preferred pronoun is Zed or Zer or Lizard? or handsome and brilliant. So now I'm curious, how many pronouns are there now? Pronouns are there. Let's see. Oh, I guess we have to specify. Uh, University of California, what do they say? Oh, they just give me a massive list. They don't tell us the number? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, times one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
8, 9, 10. Damn, so that's 50? Earlier, I know public schools are all-time low in terms of test scores of pretty much every subject, including mathematics, science, and history. Perhaps that's why our country is going down so downhill so much. So there are 10 rows, and rows being back and forth. So that's a row. A column goes up and down, very similar to like the Roman Colosseum and the Roman columns, when you look at Roman architecture, and which also makes me reflect on the downside, just Rome precipitously going so downhill so quick. At least they had good roads, though. Now, if you take the number of rows, which, again, appeared to be 10, and multiply that by the number of columns, which is 5, that's 50 gender pronouns. And because I like to learn, let's, let's go, let's, let's, let's read them off. Let's see here. We've got co, co, cause, and that's with a C, cause, cause, self, n, n, as, ends, and self, e, m, ear, e-i-r, ears, am, self, he, him, his, has, himself, all right, she, her, her, hers, herself, they, them, their, theirs, themselves, zai, I thought that was a Chinese, uh, wasn't the Chinese leader of China, or is that Xi? Is it the, is it the same? X-I. Ooh, so close. So the leader of China, Xi, is spelled X-I. The gender pronoun is X-I-E. So very close. Coincidence, I'm sure. And again, this is from a reliable source. It's lgbtqiaucdavis.edu. So it's, it's a university. They're always reputable. Now, the other ones are, so again, Zai here, spelled H-I-R, but it's pronounced H-E-R-E. Okay, so her, here. Her, hears, herself. Yo, sounds groovy. So it's Y-O, yo, yo, yo's, yo's, yo, yo, self. Pretty sure that's Matthew McConaughey's, but nevertheless. Z, zir, zir, zirs, zir, self. V, wait, V-E, okay, V, viz, ver, 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 self. So again, just in terms of the number of people who are going to make, even if they agree with the prop, the what the person's believed pronouns are, there's going to be a lot of people who I think make honest mistakes. Like, I, again, if you're working, if you're actually working for a living, I don't know how you, how do you stay on top of all of these different things? So I, again, I have no idea, and perhaps that's why some of these laws, and again, not all of them, but some of them have the nuance of saying deliberately, which. Again, I don't, that's going to be hard. To, it's very hard to prove someone's intent unless they have like a diary or they say it out loud. Like I, I know, like, again, and depending, depending on how someone looks, you have, no, you might not have an idea. You might know. So there might be some honest mistakes, even if the people who believe, if there are people who agree with these things. So this is going to be a legal quagmire to say the least. And partially, I mean, partially, I just want to use the word quagmire for weeks. And I just found a good way to use it. So mini goal achieved. Now, this also continues on dailymail.com where they say, talk about the specific laws. So they say, deliberately calling someone by the quote-unquote wrong gender pronouns may land you in jail for up to two years under new labor. Now, they say labor would make a, attacks motivated by hatred of gender aggravated offensive, unquote. Now, this says that deliberately calling someone the wrong gender pronouns could be a hate crime punishable by imprisonment under a labor government. Now, granted, that's overseas for now. Let's see here. Uh, let's see. Last night, a Tory source said, quote, some police forces have shown themselves overzealous in the pursuit of supposed hate crimes, and this reform would send them a signal to go even further. We've seen people arrested for misgendering, but it's not enough for labor. They want to lock them up for two years. And again, these things are all too real. We have instances in Canada where a father didn't agree with, I forgot, it was a son, who the mother transitioned to a daughter, or if it was the other way around, the father refused to use the new pronouns, and the father was put in jail. And if you ever watch the documentary by The Daily Wire, Matt Walsh, What is a Woman, they talk about that heartbreaking case where the father's biological um, offspring is basically taken away from him in every way possible. Now, 
see here. It'll be interesting to see. Let's see, another case. So let's say, in another case, Kate Scottwell was described herself as a radical feminist, which she looks like it, okay. She was arrested in front of her children and later convicted of malicious communications for a string of messages directed at transgender activists on Twitter, including referring to a activist man as a pig in a wig. Which, perhaps the pot calling the kettle black, but, uh, let's see. It'll be interesting to see how many people, at the end of the day, this is going to end up in court, and it will trickle over to the U.S. You see a lot of laws globally. A lot of them start off in the U.K., they start off in Canada, then subsequently they trickle over to another country, well, debatably a country, California, and then from California goes and infects, I mean, spreads across the United States. So it'll be interesting to see the domino effect of once these laws are put in place and more people are convicted in court, how many additional countries adopt the new laws, and what's going to be the adoption rate from the people on the street, so to say. That's a huge cultural phenomenon where you have a law all day long, but if the police choose not to enforce it, well, does it really matter? You see this how the police are disproportionately prosecuting people based on their political affiliations in the United States, and how some cities, the police just let, they just decide to let the rioters burn them down. Even though the law says you're not supposed to allow riots to cause $2 billion in damages, the mayor's told the police to just stand down and do nothing, and subsequently, they still down, they did nothing. You also have such phenomena as jaywalking. Most police officers aren't going to arrest you for that unless they're behind their quota. So there's a lot of cultural things when it comes to in these legalities. Let me know in the comments, do you think it seems inevitable given the trends of culture? I guess perhaps a more pertinent question would be, what states do you think will push back on this and how long do you think it'll take to subsequently make its way up to the Supreme Court? Because I think it's just more of a matter of timing of when and not if. Because at the end of the day, It'll be fought off in courts, it'll be appealed, it'll go again and again. And eventually it'll work itself way up all the way to the top. And I think it'll hinge on religious liberty in terms of someone not compelled speech as well as premise, you know, the good old First Amendment, which I know public schools don't teach anything anymore in many cases. So many people might not realize the importance of the Bill of Rights and First Amendment, freedom of speech. But also one of the most important things to remember about that is it's really the speech you don't agree with or the minority speech that needs to be protected the most. Saying uncontroversial things really doesn't need legal protection because we're uncontroversial. And call me an old soul, but I might not agree with everything you're saying, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. That's why my comment section are always open. And if you read them, they're quite entertaining. Many of them are very harsh about me and some of my opinions. But I always keep it open, partially for entertainment, and I always just kind of based on my morals and values I was brought up with and that I believe in. Ironically enough, the only times my comments have been disabled is when Google overrode me because I always have my settings in the YouTube studio where it's allow all comments. And subsequently, I actually made a video talking about YouTube censorship. They shut down the comments there. And then I made a video about Bud Light censoring people on Twitter. That got the comments shut down. And then one more Bud Light video, they permanently disabled the comments. And every time I went into the YouTube um, studio to try to fix it and change it from, you know, do not allow comments to allow all comments, within t 10 seconds, it revert back. Ridiculous to say the least, un-American, I would say for sure. So let me know in the comments, be fascinated to hear how this develops and what you think will happen from here. Other interesting culture news, you have Porsche saving the stick shift, aka the third pedal, aka also known as the best automotive experience you will ever enjoy in your life. I may or may not be just be a little bit passionate about this particular cultural phenomenon. It's one of the things where I've only ever owned stick shifts, and I will be Perhaps the last person who will still want to drive one years from now, even if I have to take a shovel and dig up oil in the backyard. Unfortunately, I rent, so I don't really have the mineral rights to where I'm living at right now. So, life goals. Gotta get, you know, gotta get there someday. someday. Now, this comes from Porsche saying that they're working hard to, quote, save the manuals on the 911 and the 718. This is coming from Porsche's Frank Mosier saying that the company is intending to keep offering manuals as long as the current sports cars exist. Which, again, is phenomenal news. If you look at, unfortunately, it's heartbreaking. Most cars, they've actually done away with the best optimal driving experience. They've gotten, they've acquiesced to computers and just going with the old-fashioned, you know, I was going to say, going with automatic transmissions. Also known as two pedals. Also known as the most boring thing you possibly do with your life. And some people might argue, well, what if you're in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic? Embrace it. It will make you pay more attention. You can't text and drive. You can't 
eat a double wide banana falcon, you know, double whopper, whatever they're selling these days at the fast food places. You are one with the vehicle. You are in the experience and the privilege of driving. Make the most of it every single second. It's so much fun, but most companies are acquiescing and Americans are lazy and they don't want to do that. So that's why most sports cars now, they're automatic only or EVs, which is not a topic for another time in terms of finding that just viscerally abhorrent in terms of a sports car. But you have the new Camaro. Oh, actually that's going to be an EV sedan apparently because they killed that because GM doesn't like making money apparently. You have the Corvette, which for decades was a piece of beautiful American manufacturing made in good old Kentucky. And it was made with three pedals. A manual transmission of V8 is a beautiful piece of Americana. Akin to apple pie and Chevrolet. Although, hilariously enough, Chevrolet is actually named after a French race car driver when Billy Durant actually teamed up with him to rebuy General Motors when, he bought, when they went bankrupt the first time he lost company. Nevertheless, it was a great experience. And then they decided, well, you know what? 20% of our customers, screw them. We don't care about them. We're just going to go, we're going to go automatic only. We're going to acquiesce to that trend. And have a soulless driving experience and subsequently. So they went automatic. Pretty much, I mean, Ferrari and Lamborghini decades ago decided they want to go with automatic transmissions as well. They used to be known for making beautiful sports cars. Now, it's no coincidence that a manual Lamborghini LP640 is a million dollar vehicle. Granted, it's even being decades old, it's worth three to four times more than the same vehicle that had an automatic transmission. Because enthusiasts love the experience. It's a rare thing. So nowadays, think about it. Ferrari? No. Lamborghini? No. Chevy Corvette? No. Maserati? Hell no. It's been way long for them. How many sports cars are really left? Yeah. Yeah, those are the main, I was going to say, those are probably the main McLaren. They haven't been good since the McLaren F1, which some might say is most arguably the best sports car ever made. It actually had a seat in the middle and a gold stick shift and a V12 which is a beautiful thing in and of itself. 12 cylinders of beauty and perfection. That is amazing. Now, nevertheless, going back to the actual article, Porsche, admittedly, a couple years back, when the automatic transmission first came out in terms of the German engineers did get to the point where it was faster than the manual transmission in terms of the driving the 060 time. And at the time, Porsche thought, everyone cares about speed, so we're just going to kill the manual transmission, we're going to go all automatics. Consumers were so viscerally disgusted with that mistake on their part they wrote letters they called porsche they said hey i want my 911 with a stick shift i'm not buying it for the 060 time i want to have fun and to porsche's credit unlike most automotive companies they did the most important thing in business they listened to their customer and porsche said and they just reaffirmed they will keep making those iconic vehicles with a stick shift as long as possible even as governments bully that every company to go ev now it looks like this is coming from because a roundtable interview that is attended by, and this article comes from a business called The Drive, which, A plus for marketing, you know what they're into. And Porsche 911 and 718 boss Frank Moser said that not only will the brand continue to sell the vehicles and manuals, but it hopes to do so until the last, the end of the generation of the sport, Porsche sports cars. That's key because the ever-tightening emission regulations have threatened to kill the third pedal in some miles and even more quickly than anticipated. Which is true, you saw this with Volkswagen when they subsequently killed the stick shift for the GTI ridiculous the golf it should always come to stick shift since it came out in the 70s it came out the stick shift but because of european emissions and i would argue short-sightedness virtue signaling because again if you look at what's better for the environment right now i would argue the best thing is an ice engine depending on how you get your electricity it'll also last a quarter million or no a quarter century to a million miles if you buy a japanese internal combustion engine vehicle i think that's better for the environment than buying disposable ev every you know six to eight months or years but that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but for your hyperinflation, three cents it is. No, still free to click the subscribe button. In the interview, they continued and they said, quote, manual transmissions is always what the customer wants in the 911. So we have been and are working as long as possible to save the manuals. It's absolutely relevant for the 911. That's why the 911T with a manual gear shift and now the 911ST with a stick shift. And that's really because consumers want a stick shift, unquote. And again, I have to applaud North America consumers in terms of when Porsche has talked about this in the past, that is one of the biggest driving markets for a stick shift Porsche. Now, granted, I would argue by default, every car should have three pedals and that would just make the world a little bit better. I think the whole world would smile a little bit more if they knew the experience and they worked hard. Well, 
perhaps another topic for another time in terms of working hard. Now, it'll be interesting to see how long they can really do this. I mean, there are only a couple stick shifts left these days in terms of fun sports cars. You got, well, the Ford Mustang, the good one, not that bastardized EMAC, which is just an EV SUV that they stole the name in a futile attempt to get it to make it a little bit more famous. But the original Mustang, the good old one we like with the V8 and the stick shift, that still exists. They, in my opinion, controversial to say, let me know in the comments, Ford won the Pony Wars. The Pony Wars was when you had all the good pony cars. You had the Camaro, you had the Challenger, the Charger. Well, General Motors and the Infinite Wisdom killed the Camaro. It may come back next year as an EV four-door sedan, which again, sad. Just let, let the name die of dignity. So the Camaro's dead. And then the Charger may come back, may. There's a small rumor it'll come back with a straight six engine, which again, they used to have a V8 like every sports car should. But that one, it's gonna be an EV, which again, EVs have two pedals. They're automatic. It's a computer on wheels. Also known as heartless or soulless, some might say. So the number of vehicles you can actually get with a stick shift are few and far between if you want a little sport fun. You got the Honda Civic SI, which I might be a little biased, but awesome vehicle. Although even they killed the they killed the coupe, which I would argue my coupe's a lot better, but that's just me. You got the Honda Civic SI, the Honda Civic Type R, Ford Mustang, and the BMW M2, Toyota Corolla, or Toyota GR Corolla, and the GR86. And then you have the Subaru BRZ, which again is just the cut, it's the same darn thing with different plaques on them. But the number of real sports cars you can get, it's few and far in between. And even with ever tightening regulations around fuel economy, which again, that's another detrimental thing. It used to be back in the day, fuel economy was actually better than manual transmission. I believe it was probably about the 80s and the 90s when you had that pivotal moment in engineering where an automatic transmission became more efficient fuel economy wise than a manual transmission. And that's, again, it's another reason the government's trying to kill the manual transmission I'm not saying I'd be better. I'm not saying I'd make a great president, but I certainly be better than many we've than some we've had. I know the bar's so low it's basically buried in the ground with a lot of our past presidents. But nevertheless, why not just let the consumer get what they want? Let me know in the comments. Do you own a stick shift? Have you ever bought one? Have you ever had that experience? If you want to save a stick shift, you need to buy a stick shift new today. Because again, it's great to buy it on the secondary market, but manufacturers don't care and don't know. Because again, in terms of what revenue is going directly to the manufacturer, it's new vehicles. When you buy a used Honda Civic, it does Honda in Ohio and Honda in Japan, they don't care. I'm not saying I'm great, but I did my part. I bought a new Honda Civic Si. I love it. I'll drive it till the wheels fall off. I wish I had the revenue and I had the income to purchase a manual transmission new vehicle. Shoot, every month that'd be fantastic. That'd be. But again, if everyone just, when the opportunity comes, when you could financially support a new vehicle or heaven forbid you get an accident, when your budget can allow you to purchase a new vehicle, get it with a stick shift as soon as possible. Because we need to send a message that consumers want this. They're choosing this. They need to send a message to manufacturers. Hey, GM, because the new Corvette is only automatic and now you're making an electric version as well, I'm not buying it. I'm going to buy a different sports car. I'm going to buy a Porsche. Porsche, again, they're really the only higher-end sports car dedicated to manual transmission. And the older I get, the more I understand it's not so much about the zero to 60 time. That used to be a phenomenon when we had the internal combustion engines, you had the wars between the manufacturers, the contests, the competitions. We've gotten that already. It, it, it's gotten the, you know, the computer on wheels. That's the fastest thing that's going to be there out there these days. But if you really want the experience and you don't care if it's got 2,900 horsepower, it's Hard to beat a Porsche. So let me know in the comments. Have you ever bought a manual transmission? Have you had the privilege of actually being a part of that experience? And would you ever get one? Or are you going to say you live in the city and it wouldn't make sense? Which I would argue it would help you pay attention to the road. If you're bumper to bumper and a good leg workout because you're smashing that clutch. And these days, let's be honest, who couldn't use a little exercise? I think we all could. So it'll be interesting to see how things evolve with Porsche. But I hope that things continue to get better and they keep the dream of the third pedal, the manual transmission alive. And with your help, I think we may be able to. Now going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek Coffee Chat in Iowa explaining how small towns will be better off with him in power. Now, he does have a little short little text blurb. And if you do have suggestions for picture-in-picture or video-in-video software for production, I would really appreciate it. I'm currently using OBS open source software. And the current configuration, I can't put the picture-in-picture. I've tried other ones. 
Unfortunately, I keep having issues with the camera not turning on or the camera not registering. And I've updated drivers to the camera. Maybe it's just too new. You're currently using a Razer Hiken 4K USB camera. So if you have suggestions, I really do appreciate the feedback, even if it's harsh, because I do want to make the show better for everyone who's tuning in. And in turn, if you could let me know in the comments what I should do better and click the subscribe button, greatly appreciate it. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and I'll read this really quick before playing the video. So Vivek says, quote, if the number of minutes in an hour fluctuated, no one would show up to their meetings on time. When the dollar fluctuates wildly, capital allocations become inefficient and impedes growth. I will end the dual mandate for the Fed and restore its sole purpose, stabilizing the dollar as a unit of measurement against a basket of commodities, period. I don't need 23,000 plus employees to do that and will implement a 90% headcount reduction at the U.S. Fed. Now that... Is a lot of fat to trim. So without further ado, I will play the video. You can tell me, Jack, if you agree with this being true, is many of the regulations coming from the federal government, from the EPA, or even from the broader state government, land use restrictions or otherwise that drive up housing costs, this is one of the great burdens for people who live in small towns across America. So I do believe in the Tenth Amendment. That means the federal government shouldn't do most of the heavy lifting. We don't want the federal government to do most of the heavy lifting. But part of the job is, of the next leader is to make sure the federal government's getting out of the way. So my view is the next U.S. president needs to be committed to rescinding the unconstitutional federal regulations that Congress never gave the power to those three-letter agencies to actually implement. That will have an effect on small towns across this country to stimulate the economy, to bring down the tax burden, for example, as well, to bring down the regulatory burden that allows businesses to thrive on their own two feet without a federal government that necessarily gets in their way. And then it'll be up to state legislators, folks like yourself, Jackie, at the local level, to understand what the needs of that individual community are without using a one-size, top-down, one-size-fits-all approach coming from on high from the federal government. I think one of the areas where the federal government needs to act is in reforming the U.S. Fed. So the U.S. Federal Reserve, I think, has been out of control over the last two decades, printing money in a really arbitrary way, when I think the job of the U.S. Federal Reserve should be solely to stabilize the U.S. dollar. So under my watch, under the Federal Reserve and my administration, we would have a single mandate of pegging the dollar to gold, silver, and agricultural and farm commodities. So you actually have a stable dollar that's one of the things that's actually very hard for small businesses. Large multinational companies, they can hedge their currency risks. Small businesses, when the dollar is volatile, everyday business owners lose out. Wage earners lose out in this country as well. And that's also, the, it's not one of the politically firebrand topics that you're gonna you know, arouse a crowd over. But if you're looking at actually driving real world problems and solutions that you can address as the next president, that's high on my list and reforming the Fed radically, that's something I'll be able to do as the next president as well. It takes somebody who understands it, who's come from the background of business, to be able to see that through, and I think that's one of my responsibilities as the next president. That would be revolutionary if you actually have the dollar mean something. I'm One of my nerdy hobbies that I can't help but appreciate as older I get is vintage coins and currencies. It tells a story. It used to be artwork back in the day, the amount of beauty they put into the production and the, what they put on the bills. And if you do get into that hobby, I don't recommend it because prices fluctuate and, well, actually, no, silver and gold are pretty stable. But I'm too cheap to buy, actually, the high-quality ones because that gets, you get priced out of the hobby pretty quick. So I have a couple of things that my grandpa gave me, old dollar bills. And back in the day, they actually called them silverbacks because it was a silver, that was a, not a pejorative term, as a slang, but if you actually look on it, it was called a silver certificate. When, back in the day, when you got paper currency, it was nothing more than a promise for a piece of real gold or real silver. It was just a promise to get a real thing back. Nowadays, under Democrats and Republicans, the government just prints so much money at a just drop of a dime, which causes inflation, which especially hurts small businesses. And no one likes prices getting raised. Especially if you're a small business, you may or may not be able to absorb some of these costs. I mean, it's one of those things where it hurts everyone. I mean, I believe it was famously said by Ronald Reagan that inflation is a silent killer or the silent theft thief, which now I have to look up the real quote. 
because it is quite iconic, although not as iconic as me to remember it, although I blame myself for that. So Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman, unquote. And this is thanks to BrainyQuote.com, which, A plus for a domain, you know exactly what they do. And it's true. Even if you're everyone who's struggling, they got little savings in the bank, the government just makes it darn near useless because they print more and more and more money. And I don't know how it's sustainable. Let me know, do you think that's sustainable? I mean, it just, everyone, even if you're struggling paycheck to paycheck and you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to save, at the end of the day, the government makes it worth damn near worthless. Inflation just got so out of control. Same with government spending, which partially is one of the things that causes it. So do you think it'd be good to realign the US dollar to actually be aligned to something that's tangible? Now, I'll, again, it's one of those things where it's kind of like asking someone to decrease their own salary. I don't know if the government would want to do this because that would subsequently decrease their power. They couldn't just print magically more money overnight. But I wonder how many people in the comment section appreciated that. So that video got about a quarter million views and 3,096 likes. I'd say more than half. Eh, I'd venture to say a majority of the comments will support him. But let's dive in. Ah, first comment is pejorative or against Vivek. This is from Dr. Patrick M. AI changes everything, which subsequently I think AI, AI will. Now this doctor says, or alleged doctor, I don't, I don't see a certificate, but nevertheless, he says, quote, he's that know-it-all guy in your college dorm who has an answer for everything, but backs it up with nothing. Completely empty suit, never held elected office, no civic, government, or military service, never even voted in a GOP primary. Experience making money on Wall Street deals, unquote. That person to get 60 likes. And I was going to say, even if it's an empty suit, he did have the pertinent decision to suit up, as every man should. But, I mean, I don't know how he said... I'm interested... I'm fascinated that so many people agreed with that. A lot... The, the big issue, or not the big issue, I think one of the biggest things Trump did was show people you can get elected without having served in the government, and people will vote for you. So, I don't think that's as big a detriment as people think when it comes to Vivek. Quite the antithesis, the opposite. I think a lot of people are going to vote for him to be the Republican nominee because he hasn't spent 50 plus years in the government getting nothing done. Or, actually no, you could probably debate that most, most of the things they do that get done actually make our lives worse. So it'll be interesting to see. Is that the telling comment that'll be most of them? Let's find out. Scrolling down. Somebody by the name of Dargan O'Sullivan says, quote, nothing would be more consequential than restoring the stable purchasing power of the dollar by Fed mandate. That would crush most of Wall Street machine and the that feeds money to the Union Party through inflation tax, unquote. Person got nine likes. Somebody by the name of Tim West said, quote, 23,000 employees at the Federal Reserve. What are they doing, unquote? He got six likes. Which, I was going to say, an ADHD idea of the day. Should we have camera surveillance open to the public for all government jobs so you can see what they're doing or not doing? I mean, they already spy on us. Why not spy on them? That'd be an interesting idea. But I know when it comes to government employees, not all, but just the, the rumor, just the whisper of a word of accountability is uh, kind of like acid to them. Some by the name of Viral V Beast said, quote, you don't need 23,000 employees to do that and we'll implement a 90% headcount reduction in the US Fed. Got nine likes, or no, 11 likes actually. Let's see here. Dragian says, quote, he keeps saying he'll cut 90% of the staff, proving he doesn't understand the operational side of the Fed. Bank audits, cash management, electronic fund transfers. The non-operational he wants to eliminate might be 20% of the staff, unquote. Got three likes, which would be interesting. I can't help but think a lot of government entities are kind of like Twitter. They had, they had 7,000 employees. Elon Musk came in and trimmed a bunch of fat, got down to about 2,000 employees. And guess what? It's about the same darn experience from a consumer perspective. I wonder, what, let me comments. what do you think is the percent of the federal employees they can just cut and it would have no effect on our lives? It's certainly not 0%. Let's see here, initial comments. One, two, three, bravo, saying, quote, he's generally speaking, he's right about it, unquote, getting three likes. So interesting enough, let's see here, we'll do one or two more comments here today. 
Let's see. A lot of comments with only one or two likes. Someone by the name of the Me the Meme Medic Industrial Complex says, quote, Yes, and as you have aptly pointed out, inflation is cumulative when it comes to price increases, so, so the American people are always stuck with the bill for government waste, unquote. That person got 54 likes. Someone by the name of Gibbs, G-I-B-Z, nevertheless, he says, quote, 100%, I do support your view on starting a zero budget for these government agencies. No more rolling last year's budgets into this year and assuming you'll continue to go that way is now terribly. We need to allocate proper funds to the departments and remove this swamp, unquote, getting 23 likes, which is the detriment of pretty much every government or public entity in the United States. The way they do their budgeting is, it's a very famous, you don't use it, you lose it. So they have an incentive every single year to spend more and more money. Because if they have a surplus, heaven forbid, they actually cut down or decrease their cost, their whole budget goes down to the next year, and they're worried, oh, well, I might need something else. So is the whole structure is in place for it to just stay bloated and, in fact, get bigger and bigger and bigger over time, much, much like American waistbands, which, again, I didn't, that's not a healthy thing for our country or our people. Perhaps a good metaphor. United States needs to go back to the gym. Uncle Sam needs to do a little bench press. That's a good metaphor. I'll take it. Let's see, a lot of people in the comments, well, 10, 12 people saying we need to go back to the gold standard, getting between one and three likes a piece. So, a couple of them with a meme with the mic drop. So, interestingly enough, so not as many comments as usual, and not many as many electric or really captivating comments where they're getting thousands of likes, but quite a few people agree with him. Again, I'd say 95, there's just one or two ones, but scrolling through here, about 90, 92% agree with Vivek. Interestingly enough, I think if more Americans were educated, and I know that public school system sure as hell isn't doing to do that, but if more people understood the situation when it came to the Fed and the financial system and inflation and what's causing it, I think there'd be a voting revolution tomorrow. They'd be voting more independents, perhaps even Republicans if the Republicans are do, do something someday. So it'd be interesting to see if this is a winning, a winning topic, so to say. For a Republican nominee, if this will push him ahead of Nikki Haley as they kind of go back and forth, it'll be interesting to see. But as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting political news you have Chris Christie says you must say Trump in order to beat him, but his tweet is then ratioed in mere minutes. Now, Chris Christie, in terms of his moves on political chessboard, he's all about the anti Trump vote, which that exists. And he's pretty much, I was going to say, Trump is basically living in this guy's head rent-free. Every statement Chris Christie says is pejoratively about Trump. And yes, there are people who will vote for him based on that alone in terms of the Republican nominee, but DeSantis is starting to pull his votes away, I think. Because DeSantis, while starting off was very much more playing nice with Trump, he's starting to become much more combative in his statements and really highlighting some of the Trump things that Trump messed up on and some of the shortcomings that he had. So some of the people who were never Trumpers, they're going to, I think, be pulled more and more to DeSantis as DeSantis, while his numbers have dropped precipitously from about 34% to 14%, which is, I don't know who's managing his campaign, but they definitely needs some new talent over there. They're probably going to start going to DeSantis because while he's dropped a lot in the polls, he's still the number two behind Trump. And again, election is a long way away. I mean, things can change at a drop of a dime. So there's plenty of time for these numbers to change. But Chris Christie, his... Numbers have increased over time. His belt has expanded. I mean, his polls have increased by, I think he started off around 1% about six months ago. Now it's already up to 3.3%. So he is growing in the polls. Now now that DeSantis is changing his tactic, I wonder if Chris Christie will continue to grow at the same rate, which again, at that rate, he won't win the nominee. He needs a hockey stick growth. Right now it's a little bit consistent, but if you want the Republican nominee, you need to really go up. And with the following and the passion that people have to vote for Trump and to vote against him, I think in the Republican nominee, there's more people who are passionate for Trump than against him, which by default is going to probably mean a Trump going to get the Republican nominee or even perhaps DeSantis, who again, he's not, his attacks and critiques on Trump are increasing, but if Trump is eliminated from running, then DeSantis, he's going to get the nominee because he's ahead of the others for now. Granted, that, that 
gap between the others is shrinking precipitously. Nikki Haley and Vivek are catching up. But nevertheless, you have Chris Christie. He has some text before the video. And if you have suggestions for software for picture-in-picture production, let me know in the comments. I'd greatly appreciate it because I want to improve the show. I keep trying different ones. And again, perhaps not the business blunder of the day, the podcast blunder of the day is I keep having issues with the technologies where the camera won't be recognized. So if you have suggestions, appreciate it in the comments. So Chris Christie says, quote, if you want to beat Donald Trump, you actually have to run against him. Some candidates are afraid to even say his name. That's not leadership. That's cowardice. I'm the only one with the guts to take on and beat Trump. It's up to you to keep me on the stage. Chip in $1 today. And it takes you to, presumably, let's actually, let's click that really quick. It takes you to his campaign page, which you can donate $1, $5, $10, 25 Not very inspiring way to raise money in terms of his campaign page, campaign page but nevertheless, he has one. Uh, it was rumored that he had one. I, we just confirmed it right here, right now. Now, it looks like he's on MSNBC, which is, that's where he belongs, politically speaking, as well, I would say. And it's only 35 seconds, so thankfully not too long, but without further ado, let's go ahead and play that. Um, and what you need to do, Chad, as a candidate, is have your views and your thoughts out there as clearly and directly as possible. You, know, you saw today that our, the super PAC that supports our candidacy put out a very direct ad with me calling Donald Trump a fool and unfit for office. You saw Ron DeSantis' super PAC put out an ad today where he's implying bad things about Trump, but they won't even say his name. That's not leadership. That's cowardice. And, you know, the fact is, if we want to have a race where you can actually beat the front runner, you have to actually run against the front runner. Um, and <laughs> Ridiculous to say at least. I say that because, I mean, if you look at Team DeSantis, which is the social media campaign handle on Twitter for Ron DeSantis, a lot of the content is pejorative and calling out Trump directly. They even alleged that Trump copied a campaign tactic uh, a couple days ago. So, I, again, in the beginning, like, what was it, four or five, six months ago? He's correct. Not There wasn't really a lot of critique against Trump. Chris Christie, some might say he's a leader in that regard. He was the first one to be the most aggressive anti-Trump campaign strategy. But now most of them are calling out Trump, as some might call it. So... Chris Christie's kind of losing that unique, some might say a value add if that's what you're voting for. So that's not really a unique thing about Chris Christie. And again, there's that discrepancy between how much does social media correlate to real votes? We'll find out soon enough. In this case, for him, in terms of personal best, it went pretty viral, getting about 141,000 views. And wow, that was actually within 48 hours, so quite a little time. And he got 2,418 likes. I should know 48 hours, so quite plenty of time, actually. Nevertheless, I can't help but think, when it comes to comments, his approval rating is maybe 50%. Many of the comments are pejorative. It seems like even more of them are just pro-Trump, and many of them are mildly entertaining. So, let's dive in. I'd say about half are going to be negative. The first, the most first popular ones is someone literally just using the laughing emoji. Her name is Susan Hunt, and she just says, No. And she got 10 likes. Someone by the name of Twitter Chica. And she says, quote unquote, sit down. Which I believe he already is. Kudos to the chair manufacturer. Let's see here. Lisa says, quote, Chris Christie, you need to bow out of the race, unquote. Getting nine likes. Rosebud saying, quote, unquote, oh my God, Chris Christie, shut up. Getting 11 likes. Pepper says, quote, unquote, blah, blah. With the storing emoji, gained 20 likes. Somebody name of Rich Loomis saying, quote, I'm looking forward to not seeing you on the debate stage, unquote, gained 13 likes. So we had to dig quite a bit. I finally found the first positive response. Someone by the name of Mike8134 saying, quote, thank you, sir, unquote. He got, he did get seven likes. So again, there is a part of the Republican Party who's going to vote for him just because of his stance on Trump. That's, that's a thing. But the question is, Right now, I don't think that's enough in terms of the numbers needed to get the Republican nominee. Is that number, the only way he can possibly get the nominee is if that number of people grows exponentially, which I don't think the growth rate is there yet. And I don't think it will really materialize as Trump's going up in popularity and in a lot of these primary polls. So somebody named Brandon said, ouch, I rolled my eyes back so hard, unquote, getting two likes. 
Shoe Gal 8720 said, quote, you couldn't beat a nine-month toddler racing to Krispy Kreme, unquote. Getting three likes. T says, quote, Chris, you are the 1%. I think enough people have spoken. You are not the guy for the job. At this point, you are a joke, unquote. Getting 26 likes. Let's see here. A lot of memes of Beavis and Butthead. Christy, oh, this is from a Niken29. Christy, you don't strike me as a running type unless to a buffet, unquote. Getting eight likes. Someone named Bronson saying, quote, Porky, you've competed your last race. They're competing for cabinet positions, unquote. Getting eight likes. Citizen YC said, quote, you have no money for, to continue. Just leave it. You won't be president for sure. Your time's over. Bye. Getting 14 likes. Somebody named Patriot Dad said, quote, Looking at your support that you get every time you post, it makes people think, why is this guy even on the campaign trail? When you ask yourself who would even support this guy, the only reasonable answer is Democrats. Just another trash Trump campaign. It's pretty pathetic, unquote. He got 46 likes, which is the most popular response thus far. Let's see... Somebody of SMD said, quote, you're running on a vendetta. Drop out now, unquote. Drop out now was in all caps. This person got 75 likes. I'm, I, FTX Clone said, quote, what happened to Down Duck, unquote. Getting one like. A lot of people calling out his gut. Somebody named Mike Carlson said, quote, I think it's time you take the whole guts thing too literally. A big belly full of guts is what you have, unquote. Getting eight likes. Though, from a scientific perspective, he does it's not a lot of guts, it's a lot of saturated, it's a lot of fats. But nevertheless, the comment still stands. The comment got eight likes. Uh, a lot of memes about Chris Christie attempting to run to a buffet. Uh, a lot of people calling out saying he has Trump de Trump derangement sister sister syndrome. Again, I'm not a doctor, but if you click subscribe, it might cure my stuttering. I think it's gotten better the past couple episodes, thanks to the subscribers. It very well could be more medically accurate than some scientists these days. Uh, a lot of people are just saying laugh out loud, goodbye, they're getting between one and three likes. Someone's saying Obama needs another hug, Chris, getting two likes. Let's see. Yeah, I, I would say, as a youth might say, he got ratioed because... Again, I found one positive comment, one neutral comment. So again, it'll be interesting to see what the future of his campaign realistically is. But again, with the current data we have, with the current voting environment, and yes, the election is a long way away, but as of right now, Magic 8-Ball would say, I believe for Chris Christie, the outlook is not so good. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have American Airlines reports a $545 million loss in part due to the labor costs during their fiscal Q3. It's, all, it's so funny. Every, remember every time people talk about raising cost of labor and pe how people deserve $18, $20, $100 an hour, the comment that they always say is, oh yeah, it won't really raise prices. The consumer will be fine. The company will eat the cost. I mean, they make plenty of profit. No. How naive they are, to say the least. Now, it looks like they also, even worse if you're a shareholder, they cut their forecast, which is one of the worst things to do, is basically telling Wall Street, we told you we were gonna get this for sales. We're gonna, we're gonna lower the expectations down to this. Which again, that's a really bad sign. Now, it looks like they cut down their forecast of full year earnings from between 225 per share and 250 to share, down from a pre pre previous forecast of $3.375 per share. Now, it looks like their rivals, United Airlines and Delta Air, both reported rising revenue and profit of $1.1 billion for their fiscal quarters. Now, Americans' third quarter loss compared to a profit of $483 million in the same fiscal quarter last year. Wow. The airline said that the results were dragged down because of a $983 million in charges for contract ratification bonuses paid to pilots in August. The labor cost of American jumped 17% to an increase of nearly $600 million, which is roughly offset by the lower prices of fuel, fuel a year ago. Yeah, that's not good news. 
perhaps something this this would be something perhaps AI and robotics will further enhance in terms of a flight or a plane successfully flying in the midair. That's I mean it's already pretty automated. The big human factor right now that I think eventually technology will subsequently displace is the takeoff and the landing. Which don't get me wrong, those are pretty darn important parts. I mean, just ask the DeSantis campaign. They precipitously I don't think they have anyone who would take off because I don't think the campaign ever took off. Ha! That's a political pun. But nevertheless, when it comes to American Airlines, they should negotiate harder for the labor cost. Because again, if you look at any, like Pan Am, you look at any historical documentary around the aviation industry, there are always, always two reasons companies go bankrupt in the avi aviation industry. One is the price of fuel, which again, because the United States government is too imprudent to actually use the own fossil fuels we have locally, and we rather pay absorbent amounts of money for fossil fuels from countries that hate us and don't have our values like Venezuela. So that's something that's hard for the airlines to really can't control. That's going to go up. So you got price of fuel. And another historical thing that get, makes them go bankrupt is the price of labor and unionized labor. Watch any historical documentary on an air, airline company. That's why they nearly always go bankrupt. And the only salvation to American Airlines is that they're a federal contractor. So they may get a parachute or the government may help them out. You saw this during the lockdowns where the government's help offset their losses to keep them propped up temporarily. So it'll be interesting to see what the long-term ramifications and implications are for this huge labor cost. But I want to say I told you so. Well, partially I do appreciate being able to say I told you so, but we kind of saw the writing on the wall when this huge record contract was agreed upon. And a big issue with the airline industry is I've had friends who tried to become commercial pilots throughout their careers is the unions artificially keep the labor market very small to keep prices up. It's very hard to become a commercial airline or pilot partially because of the unions. So let me know in the comments, do you think long-term will this be the detriment to American Airlines? Will they go belly up? And then will they subsequently have to go bankrupt and renegotiate again with the unions? Or somehow do you think will they, will the price, do you think right now with the global conflicts that we have, is the price of fuel gonna go down to help offset these costs? No, absolutely not. No. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to the company. But unfortunately, again, reporting a $545 million loss for fiscal key three, that's gonna be the business wonder of the day. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. It's, again, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. So if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, the comments are appreciated as well. We try to make the show better and better and better together. If you like the video, leave up a thumbs up or thumbs down if you don't like it. And then leave the comments so I actually know how to make the show better for you. And also, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.